strikes, work stoppages. I gotta tell you, it's something I'm pretty familiar with. Matter of fact, I broke into this industry with a company that did this primarily. And I'm really familiar with this topic, and I wanna talk today about strikes and why they can be so fantastic and why they can be really, really a big waste of time. We're gonna talk about strikes on today's episode of Travel Evolved. It's Travel Evolved. I'm Mark Holloway. Welcome to the episode, everybody. <laughs> All right, I'm in my wheelhouse tonight. This is uh, this is something I'm incredibly familiar with. Strikes, how strikes work. It's such a wild world. I got to tell you, the world of strikes and work stoppages, man. I, I had no idea that this kind of industry or this part of the industry, this this was even possible with hospitals. I mean, I just lived in a bubble. I was living in Colorado. Didn't understand it. It's a non um, Union State, obviously. So it was very strange to me, very interesting to me, uh, to learn about strikes and to learn about how that works. So I want to give you a quick history after I do my normal thank yous for everybody who's subscribing to our podcast channel, obviously, and our YouTube channel. We are still uh, in beautiful, sunny Florida. It's been fantastic. Uh, I've been here since uh, February, I guess, the whole month of February. And obviously, uh, a majority of the month of March uh, has been a really great break. Uh, I did it because I wanted to get out of Denver for a while. I said, now that I'm an empty nester, um, there wasn't an awful lot of reason for me to want to stay in Colorado. Listen, I've done the Colorado thing. You know, as you know, I grew up in Michigan. I'm kind of a little bit nomadic like you guys are in nature. I don't like to stay someplace too long. 20 years is about max for me, which is a long time. Obviously, I haven't been around that long. But um, for me, you know, Colorado, it's, it's such a beautiful state. I love it there. But it's kind of time for me to start, you know, going elsewhere. I, listen, I can't, how do I say this without sounding the way I don't want it to sound? But <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. California's got some really weird tax laws and some really weird things that they do that I'm just not, I just, it's, it's a mess. I, that's why people are leaving the state. And if you live in California, I apologize. I know that it is whatever, but... I hope that some of the laws and some of the, the incentives change. I'd love to spend more time, but I will never, at this point, um, be leaving Colorado permanently. It will still remain my home, but man, I, I, I was so glad to get out of there because it's been a really, really crappy, cold winter for like everybody in the country. Um, it's hard to explain, but this you know last year we didn't have snow. I remember recording a something on somewhere where I like it's New Year's Day and we still haven't really had any snow or it's Christmas Day one of the two we hadn't literally had any snowfall this was last year 
2021-2022 winter. This year, man, before Thanksgiving, we had snowfall after snowfall after snowfall. Super low temperatures. It's just been, yuck. So I was glad to get out of there, to say the least. I'm look, look at this. I mean, look at this place. How could you not want to be in beautiful, sunny, southern, southwestern, let's put it that way, Florida? Um, it's just been great. It's been fantastic being here. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to Colorado uh, at the right time. And I'm looking forward to skedaddling right off to California again. Um, because there you go, and I'm excited to spend some time with my daughter who lives out there, and, and kind of uh, I, don't know, I feel like she she needs some parenting. It's that that stage in life. She's 21 and kind of starting to branch out on her own, finishing up school, and so anyway, it's going to be fun. So let's get on with it. Strikes. For a lot of you who don't know, this is where I got my start in the industry. I basically was hired by Fast Staff U.S. Nursing Corporation back when I first got into the industry and coming out of the advertising world, and I was actually doing some other different sales aspects, being a sales manager for a pretty good sized company. And I I sat there for this interview. I've explained it before in in episodes past, but I'm I'm sitting there and I went home and I'm like, I don't even know what this company does. It's like substitute teaching for nurses, but then they do these strikes, which I don't, I don't really get it. And fast staff U S nursing was all, I'm pretty sure it was all nursing. So I called U S nursing corporation. Um, it was all nursing. I don't think there was any allied. At least they hadn't dabbled in it at that point. So to me, it was this really bizarre world. And so I, I, I kept saying no to the job offer from Dan and um, because it just wasn't, I don't know if it wasn't paying enough or it didn't seem like it was just wasn't up my alley. I don't remember why. It just didn't seem like the right fit for me. And he was very persistent. And again, if I haven't said this before, one of the most influential people in my life I'm forever grateful to him for uh, getting me started in this industry, and, and I'm, I'm just thankful as all get out. However, <laughs> two weeks, I think, after I started with the company, I literally found myself flying off to Long Island. Well, to, to really, to I think I flew into Newark, New Jersey, to arrive early for a strike that was going to happen, to run or be part of running operations, which ended up running operations for a mess, but to be part of, of running operations for a strike that was out on Long Island. So we actually were renting four or five of us, a couple of nurses that had been in the in the kind of inner circle, myself, some other operations people. We flew out, landed in Newark, rented these 16-passenger vans that they were going to use to take the, you know, the, the nurses at that point to and from the hotels to the hospitals every day when they crossed the line. Drove them across. never been to New York City in my life, and I literally drove from Newark. Um, I think we went through the tunnel I can't remember went through the, the tunnel or the bridge but we drove through Manhattan and out to Long Island it was an, an eye-opening experience for me it was in the evening it was dark out and I was like this I'm like what is this I'm driving a 16 passenger van through you know Manhattan and I'm 29 years old maybe I don't remember how old I was but it was it was wild to me so I got thrown into strikes an absolute trial by fire I'll keep the story going a little bit because we got there and we couldn't find the higher ups of the company couldn't find a hotel to house or enough housing to house all the travelers that were required and i'll explain how that can happen it was just last minute it's just such a a, a crazy marine corps kind of mentality that you go and you do and also you're trying to figure out as a company believe it or not even a company that that established was still trying to secure housing we were out on huntington long island trying to get a whole hotel which we ended up getting but there was a number of places we stayed at the very beginning and it was just um, it was a mess travelers were coming into islip newark laguardia jfk 
and they were being shuttled out there to get ready for this thing, and we didn't have enough places to house them. So it, it is such a crazy industry, and I should say part of this business. And back then, there was one company that did it. There was a spinoff, somebody that was part of Fast Staff that started their own company, started his own company. When I was there, and it was the only two companies in the country that did it, Fast Staff, I should say U.S. Nursing had most of it, uh, the majority of it. Every once in a while, this guy would, would take, take a deal over. But it was really what made that company so successful. And I'll explain how it is. So when I talk about strikes, I mean, I was out there for a month and a half, maybe the first time on a Long Island, and then came back, and then literally a few months later, maybe two months later, I found myself, is that right? Yeah. A couple months later, I found myself, well, I was there for quite a while, so I had to be a couple, three months I was out on Long Island. Then I came back, and I found myself going to a strike up in Nyack that we were, we were I was living in, I think I explained this, in Times Square at the Marriott Marquis for almost a year. And that was a wild one because I wasn't up in Nyack. I was doing a lot of the operation stuff that was kind of down in the in the lower part of uh, mid Manhattan, so to speak, and in Times Square, so in Midtown, so it was crazy. And I understand strike. And I understand strike work. I know how it works from the inside out, and I want to explain some of that to you guys here today, so you guys understand it as well. As always, thank you guys for the continued subscription increase. I don't know what it is. I don't know if people are just finding us, and you know, or you guys are telling people about us. I think it's a combination of both. I love the loyalty. Um, when we gain followers, we don't lose them. It seems like you guys are at least sticking with the the notifications, and that's what happens when you subscribe. You basically get a notification that a new episode has been released. So we're so appreciative of that. We're so thankful that we're getting uh, that audience to grow because that was the whole point of this thing. We wanted to start to explain things that you guys had not been taught and heard of before, and that's why we created this whole thing. And it really seems to start happening. So. Here's a good example of an episode I think is a really important aspect of it, and that is, in fact, the strike work. So, here's what I learned. Lots of money and lots of crappy circumstances. I'll <laughs> put it that way. That's what strikes are. They are incredibly lucrative for the traveler. Incredibly lucrative when they go and when they stay on. Oh, and the lights come on. It's fantastic when they do that. They are not for everybody. We're going to talk about that a lot today. You have to have the exact, perfect, right mentality to really be a good fit for a strike. Many, many travelers are absolutely not cut out to do strikes. And I want, during this episode, if you've ever considered one or if you've gone to one and you know this, or just if you're poking around thinking about the possibility of doing a strike, realize this type of traveling healthcare, if you want to call it that, is absolutely, I can't stress this enough, not for everybody. You've got to have a very, like I kept saying, a Marine Corps mentality. You've got to not be, you know, afraid for bad situations, for, for you know, housing to be tough, for things to get goofed up, because it will, and it does, because it is, it is traveling healthcare in chaos, for lack of a better word, because you just don't know what's happening next because you're not in control because it's the unions and the, the hospitals that are negotiating behind the scenes while you're trying to function and, and keep a hospital afloat and do whatever. So a couple things I want to mention. First of all, listen, I don't have an opinion on on unions. I'm not, I'm not pro-union. I'm not anti-union. I just didn't grow up really in a union situation. So for me, I understand both sides of this coin. 
I absolutely can understand why a negotiating union of nursing or allied professionals of healthcare workers would not want there to be, what they call them, scabs to come in and take over. I have seen twice now, definitively, how having those people that cross the picket line and the union line actually help to work to make the negotiation process go better and last longer. And what I mean by that is if there hadn't been in the situations that I was involved in, I saw sometimes when I wasn't sure if it was the case, but two for sure that I was involved in allowed the hospitals to stay afloat, which gave them more time to negotiate. And I believe in my heart that what they ended up settling with would have been higher than had they just said, forget it, you guys are done. This is what we're offering, and we're going to go out and find new new workers, which is what happens sometimes. So, again, I could literally argue both sides of the coin, and I'm not here to, to try to pretend to be, you know, independent or without opinion. I just don't really have one. I really, it's one of those things that I think I could personally argue both sides effectively and explain why they're great unions I'm talking about and, and why strikes are important and why they, you know, and, and, and I could also argue the opposite and explain to you guys why I think that, you know, crossing the line is important it, it's, it just is a, one of those things that I don't believe and maybe there's people out there that disagree with me uh, very definitively that there is a, there is a, a, a specific opinion but I just found that it really depends on the situation you never really truly know what's going to happen whether it's, it's going to make sense to somebody or it's not going to make sense to somebody but this in these cases I remember very distinctively saying oh that actually worked out well for the healthcare professionals and it happened to both be in New York because I do believe in those situations I'm thinking of, and I'm not sure if, these, if it was these two or not, that had it not been for the fact that the hospital was able to stay afloat and come back to the table, these people kept their jobs. Yes, they were out of work for a while, probably hurt many of them financially for a period of time. But when all was said and done, they were able to come to the table and actually go back to work at a higher pay. So there you go. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is if you are a traveler that truly is built for this, you're going to thrive. I mean, I, I, that's just the bottom line. I will tell you that that for the right person, work stoppages, strikes are a fantastic option, provided the things that we're going to talk about here today. So I want to I want to also, you know, mention that that it is it is for that right traveler. Wow. I mean, it's almost the best of everything. Short term, temp, you know, typically, I mean, you can go as long as you want to if the thing goes along for a long time. You can make high crazy money when you're ready to go. Typically. Psh- you can you can blast out of there and go. If it's still going, you can come back. But there are it is, in my opinion, for the right traveler, it's some of the best money you can make. It is for those of you that don't know, it's COVID money on steroids a little bit, because you're gonna work a lot more, probably. You're gonna be working six, seven days a week at the very beginning, especially. And um, but like I say, you're gonna earn every penny of this stuff because the the conditions and the things you're going to pass up on, all the things that are opportunity cost and just your whole way of life is going to be disrupted and it's going to have a lot to do with whether or not um, you know you're, you succeed or not. So there's a lot of risk, but for the right person, there's a lot of reward. So we'll kind of go from there and I'll, I'll mention that. So, okay, let's talk quickly about how this kind of thing works. I want to explain to you guys how this works from a hospital union standpoint if you don't really understand. Obviously, we're assuming in my little scenario I'm about ready to create that um, we're going into negotiations that they are the two sides are not 
effectively communicating that there has been threatenings and a potential for a walkout slash strike that's going to occur on this particular date. Remember that during a strike, before a strike, while the strike's going on, the facility and hopefully the union are frequently, if not often, behind the scenes negotiating, unless they're at a point where they've said, we're not talking anymore until one of us comes to the table with a more reasonable offer, that sort of thing. So that's kind of happening all the time behind the scenes. Typically, what will happen as things continue to, let's say, not be seen eye to eye, (laughs) there is a point where somebody will give them a deadline saying, if we don't have a an agreement met by this date, it could be the hospital. Hospital will be saying, if you don't agree to our terms by this date, if we don't come to conclusion, then we are locking you out. More often than not, it could also be the, the union saying, if you don't offer us anything that's, that's reasonable by this date, we are going to go on strike and walk out. That's typically how it happens. There is a deadline. There are hurdles that can be crossed and milestones that could be met that could push that back, that could satisfy a, 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 um, a deferment, so to speak, of those kinds of deadlines. But understand that when a hospital starts hearing that or thinking that this could happen, they start reaching out. Let's say they've hired a company that says that they can fulfill and handle the entire system or the entire facility if it's freestanding and are able to staff them completely Maybe it's just nursing, maybe it's the entire hospital, maybe it's allied, maybe it's everything from A to Z if they're given enough time. Now, what typically has to happen, a little different than travel, on strikes, as you guys know, the agency is going to take care of your travel and get you out there, and everything is paid for up front because the hospital is paying for this, which means there is a point where the hospital has to give, or the system, let's say, let's put it that way, the system has to give to that agency a large, large deposit, enough to qualify them to be able to guarantee travel. And typically, I think it's, I wanna say it's five days, maybe I'm off on that. Four to five days worth of pay. So we're talking about an entire hospital, about a week's less, a little bit less than a week's worth of pay, and all this travel from all over the country. That, my friends, is a significant amount of money. Probably talking 100, you know, and I don't even wanna say what it is because could be 100,000 easily, but it obviously it's going to depend upon the size of the facility or facilities and who's, who's walking out and how many people there are with this particular agency is, is promised to be able to staff. But it's significant, put it that way. It's going to be a substantial amount of people, which means a substantial amount of money. So the hospital is saying, okay, we're coming up to that point. They're going to now look and, like I said, hire an agency that has, in fact, said we can get this done. Which means, and I'll tell you about a little bit down the road how it's recruited, but there's going to be a deadline. Which means the minute or the next shift after that deadline is reached, and either people are locked out or people walked out, usually walk out, there needs to be people in that city, minutes away, that can literally be there to take care of those patients so the hospital's patients are not having to be moved or transferred. So they have to already be there, which means all of this stuff has to be in place. They need to be ready to be able to have, you know, have somebody cross that line. Usually, once they do cross that line, the reason I say it's four or five days is that typically the hospital has said, if we're going to lock you out, if you're going to walk out of this, you know, and not of this negotiation process, we are going to, and we have to, at a minimum, you are going to be, I don't care if we settle the next day, we have, we have a guarantee because of what we're basically offering this agency that you 
will not be able to come back for four days or five days or three days. I want to say it's five. It's been 20-some years, guys. So I don't really remember. But I want to say it was five shifts. Maybe it was three. Which means there's a guarantee. And that's what usually the agency is going to require because they need that from the hospital. In other words, if they're going to recruit and, and convince travelers to drop everything and be ready and commit to them to go to this, this, this strike, that if it in fact goes and they are getting on a plane, that that traveler knows that they're going to minimally be guaranteed a certain amount of shifts to be able to handle and be able to justify them traveling that assignment. So that's usually what the agency is going to require in order to be able to, so it all has to kind of work together if that makes sense to you guys. Which means you're out, we're bringing this company in, so even if we sell the next day, you're going to lose that week's worth of work and we're going to have to pay a lot more money for you and you have to give it to an agency, which is not fun for them. So it kind of, you know, starts the the amount of guaranteed hours that a recruiter is telling you guys, if in fact they're recruiting you for a strike, that you're guaranteed to make if, and I, and I stress this, if it in fact does go and they are walking out or they're locked out. All right, let's talk a little bit about how the recruiting process happens, because I think this is just as important. So like I said, the agencies need to have bodies there once they know that's going to happen. So what happens is that when an agency has been hired by a hospital or a hospital system, they start recruiting and they start promising. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this. I mean, this, you guys know this. I mean, anybody that's done a strike or if you've ever thought about it, you have to consider what happens if and when, or, or when I should say, the strike doesn't happen. And this is what, it's almost like the unknown. I remember walking out in the bullpen area back in my day and hearing the recruiters basically making promises that they couldn't promise. And I'm not beating up that company. They have no choice. They have to do this. They have to have bodies willing to get on airplanes or in cars or trains or buses to get to a strike so that they can guarantee that in, if in fact it does go that they're not going to, you know, that they've, they've earned the money that they've been being paid. I'm not talking about recruiters, but the companies have. So, I remember the recruiting process for the first time ever, and the only time it ever happened, was going on late in the night on weekends, which again, I've kind of beat up here on Travel Evolved that most recruiters work, you know, an eight to five job. It's, it's just kind of the way it is. In this case, that was the same thing with, my, with that company, but when strikes happened, there was a lot of commission, a lot of incentive to work longer hours because they wanted to make sure that they had it guaranteed. They would double and believe it or not, even sometimes triple certain shifts, certain specialties to make sure that they had it. They would promise the same traveler the same position because they knew one or two of them would back out at the last second. That's how cutthroat it became. And I'm not, again, this is, this is, what, this is the facts of what happened back 20-some years ago, 23 years ago, obviously, a little over 23 years ago. Well, right around 23 years ago. Could be totally different now. So, again, I'm not saying this happens currently by any company, but that's, in fact, what happened back then. They had to guarantee it. And if you got there, let's say you were an ICU nurse and there was too many ICU nurses, they would convince some of them to go into the PACU or any place else they were qualified to go. It's just the way it was. So repair that for as well. When I talk about marine care mentality, shifts, specialties, floating, all that stuff is, is fair game for these strikes. So that's just the way it kind of works. So the agencies are recruiting their fannies off, convincing as many or more than they need of travelers to get to this strike because you just don't know until 
the whistle goes off the strike has in fact started or it's about to start they've they've passed that deadline for when it is that they're going to be locked out and that's you know it's days in advance and that means people are getting on planes it's over and it's ready to go and we need people now and that's when the commitments has to take place and that's really from the agency standpoint when the real hard work you know comes into play what do we have here i mean they've obviously gotten to know the facility exactly what it requires they're working on skeleton type crews you know seven day a week shifts and by the way when you first commit to these strikes you are basically committing to work non-stop for at least those first five days every single you know 12 hour shift if you're nights you're working five twelves maybe it's seven who knows what they're going to get maybe it's only three but you are basically committing to be working every single day once it takes place and it looks like the strike is going to continue on for longer than that initial period then you know usually you get a day off here and there but most uh, striking travelers <laughs> that's a thing striking travelers most people that work the strikes would typically go and work literally two weeks straight every single shift work sleep work sleep work sleep it was insane crazy amounts of overtime the companies do pay for overtime it's all factored into how much they're billing the facility and it all kind of works and, and it works out for the agency it works out for the travel and hopefully it works out for you know the union and the nurses and the, and the healthcare staff that are being locked out not always as i said it doesn't always work out but that's how it kind of works from an agency standpoint. So they are promising, promising, promising because they don't know. This is where I said at the beginning of the episode, nobody's involved in that negotiation process. They're not bringing in one of the, typically, a member of that agency to be part of that negotiation process or to listen to how it's going. They'll report back, and they're usually pretty um, forthright about what they're hearing. It looks like it's not going to go so that the agency kind of knows to be prepared. But the worst-case scenario for... I think kind of almost everybody involved, except for maybe the nurses that are on strike or about ready to strike, is that there's not enough people to go and the strike, in fact, does go. That's a terrible situation because now they don't have enough, which I don't think it you know, really ever happens. I'm sure it probably has here and there, but it'd be pretty rare. That's the last thing that they want because they want to make sure they have more than enough staff. They could always call some people off. If they ended up having you know twice the amount of travelers that they needed, they certainly could call some people off and say, hey, we don't need you. And that also has happened. But what I'm getting at from you know from your standpoint is that you guys are being fed a promise, or at least again I haven't been on the other side of the phone. I haven't walked through a bullpen in over two decades, so maybe they are being forth right now and saying, "Hey, we don't know if this is going to go." I hope that they are, but at least they should be very upfront and saying, "We have no idea. We are clueless except for what we're being told." Here's what we'd like to see: we'd like to have you commit to this, which means. From a traveling healthcare standpoint, you guys have to be passing on all of their opportunities, which is where the episode kind of is going here. I want you to be very, very careful. Like I said, for many people that this is their lifestyle, it is so lucrative and it is worth it every single time for them to pass on great travel assignments, you know, secure travel assignments, assignments that make great sense in the hopes that a strike actually happens and they can go and make crazy, insane money. I understand that, and I don't, I don't, uh, what's what I'm looking for, I don't, I don't uh, scrutinize, I don't, I don't look down at people for doing that, it makes sense to me, if you're one of those individuals, but for so many of you, that don't really know what they're getting into, or that get out there and they're like, wow, this is just miserable, I'm miserable, and I don't care what I'm being paid, it's not worth this, and I've, I've been, I was in a small one in Kentucky one time, where it was horrible, it was like a really tiny little 15, 20-bed hospital, it was not worth it to anybody. They were not making enough money. It was miserable. It was the middle of summer. 
and nobody on that strike felt like it was <laughs> worth their time uh, for what they were dealing with with housing and this very kind of rural town. So I'm getting at is that you really have to think about this stuff. Does this make sense to you? For a lot of people, it does. For a lot of people, it absolutely doesn't. Of course, an agency that doesn't do strikes, all of us don't want to see you guys committing to strikes. So realize that. If you're passing on opportunities or you're saying, ah, I've got a you know, break and I'm not going to commit because I've heard this, this strike in California, wherever it's going to be, is going to happen, that's the last thing a recruiter or any agency really wants to hear is that you're going to turn down or hold off on taking assignments with hopes that this thing goes because they want your business. We all do. We want you to our business, which means you are our business. Your business is to convince you to go to work for us and to continue to generate revenue for us agencies. There's no two ways around it. So we are disheartened if we hear that you're going to, in fact, wait in hopes that a, that a strike goes. It, it's, it's not music to our ears because then you're going, oh, man. If the strike goes, then you're just kind of waiting to see when your traveler's going to be available. If it doesn't, then you're scrambling with every other person because you now, as a traveler, are hurting. You're jonesing. You need an assignment tomorrow, and you're going to take the first option that comes your way, which is also not great news for us agencies because now we know that we're really on the, under the gun. And those of us who don't, those of them who don't have an app, man, they're trying to prioritize you high in their day, which is kind of a good thing, but it's, it's oftentimes the only time that happens. In other words, they're trying to make sure that every single, let's say, ICU opportunity that comes up, they're going to be pitching and selling you and saying, hey, you know, you don't have a job, you're not working, so you, gotta, you should take this, you should take this, you should take this, whether it's a decent pay, it's close, maybe there's some low competition involved, whatever the case is. They're going to do everything they can to try to convince you to take that assignment. You also are oftentimes about ready to take anything that comes your way because you've put yourself in this position of holding off in anticipation of high pay in a really lucrative situation. If it doesn't happen and they settle, or if it's going to go very short term and they've settled and you're not one of them that's chosen to go, you're scrambling. And this is what I don't like about the strike aspect of healthcare travel. Like I said, if it's even as part of, of, the, of the equation, for some it, it's not, is that it is, I always look at it as how often a year are you holding off an assignment in hopes of making this, you know, this huge lucrative money? And what's the, you know, what's the ratio of actually having it go? And there's no formula. I mean, you, you know, the statistics are pretty low. But everyone is unique unto itself, which means the statistic of last, the last strike has no bearing on this one. It's a completely different set of circumstances. You should be researching heavily what you can read in, you know, online for that local area in which a strike is taking place. I mean, I would, I would absolutely, at the minimum, be doing that. If I'm looking at going to Massachusetts for a strike that's happening, you know, this spring, I would be looking at that constantly to make sure I'm kind of in, in as much of the loop as I can be as to how the negotiation process is, is going. And if I see that it's, it's going well, then I'm going to be backing off and starting looking for some travel assignments. If I see it's not going well and I happen to be one of these people that really thrive uh, on a strike, then I'm going to start you know, saying, okay, this, this could be a good possibility. And if the timing is right and even if it's not, I'm going to make sure the timing is right for me and make myself available or wide open for those types of assignments. Guys, it's really up to you. But I wanted to kind of walk you through that sort of thing and how it, how it does. If this thing goes and you are ready to go, you're set. If it doesn't go, 
you're not set at all. I was going to say something else, but I am kind of trying to keep that G rating here on, on Travel Evolved as opposed to things I've done in the past. If it doesn't go, or yeah, if it doesn't go, you're scrambling and you are in a little bit of a trouble oftentimes. And that's where I think how you evaluate your year-long process, how you look at every single opportunity, and if strikes kind of goes into that fold and strikes are part of what you anticipate for the year and you're planning on doing it you know one if you can then it's all about like i've always said it's always about your annualized income it's about one assignment over the other what makes sense if you get a great high paying assignment like in other words if a strike goes and you can afford maybe next winter to come down to beautiful florida because you know it's not the highest paying place in the world but it might make a lot of sense to you i get all that it makes it it totally makes sense to me if that's the way your year is going, if no strikes happen, you're a strike person, you may have to find yourself, you know, take an assignment somewhere further north or someplace that, you know, not necessarily is the place that you want to go because the strike didn't in fact go. So it really comes down to, I think, your overall earning plan that you have, and again, treating this like a business model, and where you are in that 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 uh, I guess goal throughout the year as the year goes by. If we're looking at 2023 here, and let's say I think this this is going to be March when these are aired. If it's March and I've already got basically almost a third of the year over or a fourth of the year over, I should say, I want to know in my 25% of the way to what I wanted to be earnings wise this year. And again, I'm talking about how much I'm making and how much I spent to to be there. So what's my net profit? on these this first quarter of the year am i over am i below and that's going to affect in my opinion what i'm going to do as a traveler for the next three quarters of the year and i'm going to keep evaluating every time that i have to settle for a, a assignment that was paying less because i couldn't find anything and i was getting panicked and i wanted to make sure i had a job or did i get really lucky and found a great assignment that paid a lot or had a lot of overtime involved and now i can back off these are the kind of things you guys should be thinking about based upon the goals that you've set for yourselves for the year and where you are currently, you know, in that process and, and in that part of the year, whatever, if it's fiscally or if you guys, if you start your year differently, that's what you should be looking at. So I would urge you as you look at strikes to kind of fold into the mix. But I, again, I just really want to stress, I, I saw things and I'll, I'll show you, I'll share some examples with you. There were times when travelers were sleeping in the lobby because there wasn't enough hotel rooms. There was times when travelers were sleeping in the lobby because their roommate stole their toothbrush. I know it sounds weird, but oftentimes you're, you, at least back then, you were, you know, you had a day nurse and a night nurse in a room, and you know, you shared a room, but you each had your own bed, and there was stuff there, and it, it was insane. The, the pettiness, the silliness. It was, it was. Sometimes it was. I was embarrassed because I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I was running operations. I didn't really go into a lot of detail, but. Once I got to the, that first strike, I became the guy that stayed and really started handling operations, meaning making sure that we had drivers to take people to and from the airports. We had drivers that were taking people uh, to and from their shift, that we had ample um, ample uh, hotel rooms. We had, a, we had a big spreadsheet that would show who was leaving, we had male, female, who was coming into that room, so they would know who was going to be coming and going. It was a very coordinated effort, and someone had to make sure that Everything was all set up. This, these, you know, these couple of dozen nurses are landing in LaGuardia. They're going to come here. We're going to ship them up to the hotel, and they're going to this hotel. And here's their room situation. They know their night shift, and I would turn them over to the nurse managers, and they would take care of the hospital side. And then we had all these people that were going to be going to the airport. It was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of stuff, especially for somebody that had never even understood 
what travel healthcare was in the first place. I didn't even know what a travel nurse was. And two weeks later, I'm, this is what I was doing. It was insane and probably one of the craziest life lessons that I ever had. And I was proud because it was for me, I remember we were working on sometimes four hours of sleep a night as operations people. Um, a couple of friends of mine that were out there with me you know, guys and gals, it, it, was, it was exhausting. It was exhausting work, but we were running on adrenaline because we just wanted to do so well by, by Dan and the company, and all of us were at that age, we're really trying to prove ourselves. And so a lot of us were really overextending ourselves physically to make ends meet. You, just, you had to do, from an operations standpoint, the same kind of thing that nursing and, and the nurses were doing at the time, and that was you, you, you just did what you had to do to get, to get things done. And it was... I don't know, one of the most interesting periods of time in my life because not only was I doing that, but I was also living in Times Square. At the time, I, I was I just recently got married, so I didn't have any children, but I was you know a, a newlywed theoretically and living you know x amount of states away. So I was kind of I was kind of uh, bummed out, lonely. But I made the best of it. I did the best I could. Uh, they would fly my wife out uh, about every other weekend and put us in front of you know center stage Broadway shows just to keep me happy because we were. A big cog in how much money the company was making so they need happy internal employees out there if that kind of makes sense and I, I think it did so um, at any rate it is a, a Marine Corps mentality you guys need to understand this you need to know this how am I doing in time I'm doing okay um, it's just part of the, the process at the very minimum I would at least have you guys say that you should be being upfront and honest with your agencies that you're working with that you've worked with in the past saying hey I think I'm going to go on this strike I'm trying to if it doesn't go I would really like to be considered and, uh, and understand that I'm going to be looking for something right away so kind of you know let's keep talking communicate like crazy if you're working with a recruiter model recruit you know communicate with that recruiter or those recruiters and I would use more than one for sure in this case extensively if you're using a recruiterless application whether it's an app like we have at next gen med staff or it's you know a, a, a comparison website or a, or a web driven company that that shows rates and positions give yourself as many options as you can pay attention to what's coming up what's not coming up and be ready to pounce and act make sure that those companies have the ability to submit you you know effectively and purposely and and with everything that they need so that if in fact it doesn't go you're ready to hit the ground and you've got four or five offers coming right away for the jobs that you're applying to whether it be recruiterless or recruiter you just got to have some options and just communicate with your agency or communicate you know with yourself if you're doing it that way which i highly highly recommend uh, to kind of go from there so anyway here's what i want to wrap this episode up with um it's been a insane great period of time for what we're doing as you guys know uh, i planned and still plan on starting to talk about what's happening uh at this point three years ago i didn't expect to be down in florida this long so i was going to get back home do some research the idea was right around march 1st i was going to start to you know incorporate what was happening in my head and with next gen med staff and, and its its formation and where we were three years ago i'll catch up when I get back to Colorado here in a few weeks, um, I'm going to go ahead and start doing that so that in about two or three, maybe four episodes from now, maybe around April 1st, fitting April Fool's Day, we'll start to tell that story. Uh, again, I wanted to do it a little bit earlier, but I didn't, like I said, I did not plan on being down here for longer than uh, four weeks, and it just turned out uh, an opportunity, and it made sense. Like I said, we were working with a, uh, with a system down here 
pretty big one you guys probably know and um, we're taking a bigger role with them and um, they wanted to you know kind of learn more about what we were doing with our app and how that works and so it was a good win-win scenario and uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, communicating with those folks and talking with them uh, due east of us here and we've enjoyed shooting across alligator alley uh, and and spending some time over in that part of the state and i think a few of them I think they're down in the in the keys here still today. They had a longer weekend. I, I won't tell you. When I, I'm recording this on a Monday. I think there's none of the staff didn't make it back from Key West this last week. And I'm actually laughing about it because it was it was totally fine they, that they did and they went down there. So hats off to them. It's been a, a really good um, bump for next gen med staff to say the very least. We've uh, like I say we're we are excited about where we're going. Um, we're now starting to get, like I said, vendors and uh, systems are starting to really pay attention to what we're doing. I always said that the thing that we need now is we just need to continue to uh, start to add more and more opportunities for our travelers. And that's what we're, we're focusing on right now, more and more positions. So that's why we came down here and it's been an insanely successful uh, trip. We've been so busy and I don't, it had nothing to do with what we're doing, but just ironically, we got down here and things just are really taking off. I think it has a lot to do with the seasonality. We talk so much about on Travel Evolved. There's been a lot of seasonality at play, especially this year. And Florida's, I, I'll spend a second here talking about it. Florida's so unique now that there are year-round opportunities here that we've never seen before. I mean, I know that there still is a season where I happen to be right now. It is everybody we talk to, the local people here are just like, oh, my gosh, it's so crowded here this winter. Because more and more people are now being able to afford, hopefully, uh, to be able to come down here. Um, so, But they, what they said was last summer, and they think even this summer, it does empty out, but not as much, which means hospitals here in Florida are still having, you know, staffing issues, which is is great for those of you that are traveling, uh, because Florida is always a great option, uh, like a lot of other states that do, in fact, not have that state tax. I just wish Florida paid more, but they don't have to, because, I mean, we've booked a ton of people in the state of Florida while we've been here, because it's been funny to be like, oh, we're down here right now, too. A lot of us are, not everybody. And it's like, oh, really? And, and they're taking jobs for literally two-thirds of what other places are paying around the country. And and again, this is what I love about the recruiterless model is that we have no opinion. Our opinion doesn't matter why a traveler is doing that. They have their own reason. It could be they want to go to Florida. It could be, like I the reason I'm here is because I was sick of how bitter cold it was where I, I live in the winter. And I think that has a lot to do with what a lot of other people are. They're just, they were just tired of it. Get me down to Florida. I know in Colorado... It is the snowiest month of the year is uh, this month here in March, and I'm going to be missing most of it, and I'm not disappointed in that. I hate snow blowing my driveway every day and that sort of thing, so um, it, it just is. I think a lot of other people experience the same thing, so ironically, while we were here, we saw a, a lot of Florida bookings and Texas bookings and places like that where it wasn't because of the money. It was because of the position and the location, so we, we loved it, so at any rate, guys. Thank you so much again for watching this. I hope this made sense to you guys, and I hope next time you're looking at a strike, I hope you kind of remember this episode. Some of me talking in the back of your head and realizing that, you know, you got to have the right mentality. And the one thing I want to leave you with, and I'm going to stress one last time, this isn't for everybody. Strike work is not for everyone. If you are the type of traveler that likes things just so and everything to be set up and you get upset with your company or yourself or your VRBO owner or your Airbnb owner, if things aren't pristine and perfect for you, then you probably shouldn't be going on a strike because it is not like that. Take your most crazy assignment, 
that's the highest paying one potentially ever been and double that multiply that put that like I said on steroids that's what you're gonna be looking at it should be insanely lucrative for you but I've always said every one of these strike workers you guys are earning every penny my hats off to you I couldn't do it I couldn't be in that environment and work that many days in a row without being really worried about my quality of work but for those of you guys that can do that for those of you guys that can kind of brush off and and not be upset about what you know what's happening peripherally and focus on your nursing or your allied you know career and what you're doing your job then you're going to kill it guys as always i appreciate it i'll catch you next week on travel evolved